Hi, Sean here. The recording you're about to hear was recorded live with Google Hangouts on the air. So if it's a little bit weird to listen to, that's why. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. And we're live. So uh, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is kind of a special episode of the Laravel podcast. I'm here with Taylor Otwell and Jeffrey Way, and I think yesterday was a, kind of a big deal. So uh, Taylor, do you want to you talk a little bit about yesterday? Yes. So yesterday was the, uh, the official release date for Laravel 5, which has been uh, much anticipated and long in the making. So I think I first demoed Laravel 5 features in, at Laracon EU in August of last year. So uh, it's definitely been something that's been in progress for a long time, but we finally got it out yesterday. So how'd it go? Any, any big hiccups? No, it was actually really smooth, like probably the smoothest Laravel release we've had because I think part of that's just because the uh, the Laravel core code base has not changed drastically. So there was just less, um, like when we went from version 3 to 4, we had uh, more like bugs that were found on like those first few days. But I think with the transition from 4 to 5 is a lot less radical under the hood, so we didn't have as many uh, as many problems. So it was a pretty awesome day actually, pretty smooth. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people made the connection. It's like there are some different things, but the actual API is, like, identical. So other than, like, there's a couple little things, like this method was removed. But other than that, like, using Eloquent is going to be almost exactly the same. Yeah, I don't think anything changed. Well, you know, like, things like um, the remember method was removed. Or hashtags, if you're using the cache tags method on an Eloquent call. That's removed. So little things like that. But other than that, the actual API is basically identical. So yeah. mostly it's just like things, I don't know, like adding namespaces and move this from that folder, and now it's going to be in this folder, stuff like that. So it really yeah. wasn't too bad. I migrated Laracast up to Laravel 5. I haven't pushed it yet, but it's done. Um, and it took me about three to four hours. So, like, yeah. it's not awesome. It's not like a composer update. But, like, we were talking... In reality, once every year and a half, maybe, you take a half day and you're done. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's crazy because Matt Stouffer was telling me um, that he had just read an article. Let me see. Um, He had just read an article where two guys were migrating a large app from Rails 2 to Rails 3, and he said it took two developers a month, a full month, to upgrade from Rails 2 to Rails 3. So no, no, to, totally. To, like what, when I worked at Envato, they, um, the, the marketplaces were on Rails 2 for a really long time. So like yeah. I think Rails 4 was on the verge of coming out, but they were still on Rails 2. And upgrading was yeah. like a massive project. Like They had to plan and devote a lot of time to doing it, especially like for how, much, how many sales they were doing with that marketplace. Like It had to be... Flawless. So it was a massive project. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I heard of a huge okay, site so on Laravel. Um, I heard of a huge site on Laravel yesterday. I wish I could talk about it, but they told me I can't mention the I can't mention the name of it. But it was insane. Like I was totally blown away. It was like a it was like a top three hundred website in the world. Like you nice. know, 20, 15, 20 million hits a day. 
crazy. Yeah, I believe it. Remember uh, at Laracon U last uh, year, they were talking about how the, this whole Fox Sports platform for like the entire country was uh, was built with uh, Laravel. Was it three? Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> so anyway, I, I totally believe it. Um, so we have this Q&A thing going with Google Hangouts. If you want to go ahead and ask questions, we can kind of see them in this uh, in this uh, tool here. And so maybe you guys want to kind of process some of these questions that people have asked? Yeah. Um, one question I got, um, or I've gotten several times, is about um, how will the release schedule be affected now that Laravel 5 was delayed, like, till February. And kind of my plan there is to just stick to the regular um, release cycle where we'll have Laravel 5.1 in uh, May, even though that will be, obviously, a much, a much smaller release. Um, but it just gets us back on schedule in terms of the Symphony components that we use and, um, you know, more of a predictable schedule. Um, so that's that. And then uh, another, uh, the next question on the Q&A is, what about the uh, generator packages from Jeffrey's um, generator Laravel thing? So I'll let Jeffrey tackle that one. Yeah, okay, so if, if people aren't familiar, like, man, this was like back in the Laravel three days. I, ma I made this little, kind of crappy, honestly, I made this little generators package that allows you to run a couple artisan commands to just generate stuff you always create manually. So, like, uh, if you always created a service provider manually. You just write a command, uh, you'd add a couple arguments, and it would fill up the boilerplate for you. It also had some cool stuff, um, like uh, scaffolding, or when you would create a migration, you could pass through the schema like directly within the artisan command. Um, so, as it turns out with Laravel 5, like 90% of all of that package is just irrelevant at this point. Laravel has tons of generators. Like, everything you would create at this point there's a generator for. So like things like uh, you can generate an eloquent model, a controller, a service provider, uh, a command, a handler. There's like, you know, eight or nine of these things. So really, my view is you don't need that package anymore. Like it hasn't even been, been upgraded for Laravel 5 because um, I, I just want to deprecate it at this point. But like the only thing that a lot of people bring up that I think would be cool, um, and I would be happy to submit a PR for this, is the ability to run a migration, or create a migration and specify the, the schema in the process. That saves a massive amount of time. Um, I don't know, like, Taylor, I get the feeling you don't like that idea. I'm not opposed, I'm not, I don't really care either way. I wouldn't be opposed to that pull request, necessarily. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. Like, this, uh, it, it wasn't on my idea, it comes from the Rails world. So, yeah. like, you do create users table, and then you'd pass an option fields, and then you'd say, like, name should be a string, comma, age should be an integer, and then when you actually look at the, the file that was generated, the schema is already done for you, the down method is already done for you, so it really does save a huge yeah. amount of time. That is the that only is pretty nice. package that's kind of cool at this point, but um, I would recommend to anyone just stop using that. I personally like live templates for that, and that kind of stuff, but I, I, of course, wouldn't be against the, the commands. Well, yeah, like back when this was made, we were all using... Sublime, it, there's still some cool things that it will do, but yeah. Cool. What else? Well, okay, Taylor... We about, uh, th this one comes up all the time. Why was Illuminate slash HTML dropped from Laravel 5? 
Because this comes up um, on WordPress forums like every week. So Taylor, there's, a, there's another half here, and why is Illuminate com- or why are Illuminate components read only on GitHub now? So um, all Illuminate components have always been read only on GitHub, and that's because they're actually split every night from the Laravel framework repository. So you you would submit a pull request to Laravel framework, and then that code gets automatically split out every night. On the Illuminate HTML thing. I've felt like for years now that like the amount of pull requests and opinions surrounding the HTML generators greatly outweighed their utility like as a, as a feature of Laravel. So um, I, I personally had never really used them that much, but the the point was that there were so many opinions surrounding HTML helpers. I wanted to like ship that out to the community and say basically like a almost like a capitalism type thing, like y'all can all compete amongst yourselves and, and you know, have several different variations on how people like to do HTML because, for example, like, um, I think even, Sean, I think you even had a form builder package at one point and there's been numeral or, or numerous form packages. Some people like to work with forms as objects. Some people like to use just, like, method helpers like we had. And it was honestly just a constant source of debate. So, for me, it was better to ship that out to the community, and then I can focus on things that are more um, more central to the framework, like the ORM or the routing and stuff like that, and not the HTML generators and stuff. Uh, do you want to hit this one about the LTS? Uh, I, I know that we have talked about it a number of times on the podcast, uh, but here is a, quite a bit of attention on this question right here. Yeah, yeah. I still don't have any plans to do an LTS release for Laravel. Um, I just don't. I don't know. It's it would just be you know time consuming. The releases are already a few years apart, with Laravel four being in uh, May two thousand thirteen. So um, you know, and we still like do uh, we still do fixes to to Laravel four, if, especially if they're anything security related. Which we had, um, we had something come up the other day. Actually, someone emailed me, and it wasn't—it's not a, a heavy security fix or anything, but it's something worth fixing, I guess, in Laravel four. And I'm actually going to fix it in Laravel four and Laravel five. So it's not like Laravel four is now neglected and um, never receives any patches or anything. So I don't know. I I have no place to do it, you know. And um, so yeah, that's kind of my stance on it for now. <laughs> So let's see. Originally, there was talk about controllers just being a plain old PHP object. I think, were you doing traits in the controller? No, this is back when we were debating having annotations in the in the core of the framework. And so that was like October. I'm to think. I, October, I think, November. Yeah. And I think when we, we went down the road and actually accomplished that and made Popo controllers available, but I think that at the end of the day, like, the the overhead of, I don't know, just the extra steps you had to go through to have a Popo controller class and some of the, like, nice features that you lost kind of outweighed the benefit of having, like, a plain old PHP class as a controller. Um, Because typically, like, we want our controllers to be really light anyway, right, and just um, kind of serve as an HTTP translation layer into into our domain layer or whatever. It didn't really matter either way, and it, it just ended up being simpler to keep it. It was more backwards compatible just to keep them um, how they were, basically, where they extend a base controller class. 
Yeah, because if you had gone the, the Popo route for controllers, what would people have done when they were upgrading for things like um, before filter and things like that? How would they have brought that back? Right, you would have had... Scenario? You had to ex- you had would have had to use like a trade or extend a class anyway, and so so many people were doing that. Like it didn't seem really all that reasonable. Um, I think it's you know it's a interesting idea, but the benefits just didn't outweigh the the cost, so to speak. I think there's a there's not a lot of conversation about controllers, don't you think? Like how do you build controllers? How do you name controllers? What do you put in controllers? Yeah. What kind of things do you inject in controllers? How do you do your reads in controllers? No, I think there's like a, a huge, what would you say, like a hole of information here. Yeah, there really is. I guess it makes sense because everybody's doing things differently, but it might be a good place for somebody to start a conversation. Yeah. Okay. Now, what happened to whoops? So you're using the uh, Symphony error? Yeah, so we're just using the the one that ships with um, the Symphony. I guess it's debug component now. Uh, It used to be an HTTP kernel. But, yeah, that's just the the Symphony debug component um, screen. Um, Whoops. Whoops was not always the most stable project in my mind. And it was just kind of more, um, there was just more to it in terms of bootstrapping it and setting it up and, and all that. So it's still very easy to set up Whoops in Laravel 5. In fact, uh, Matt Stouffer has a, a blog post tutorial. If you go to his blog, on, and I'll quickly set it up. I mean, it's only a few lines of code in Laravel 5 to add it. Because we made exception handling, we moved that more into your um, control in Laravel 5, where in the um, in the app folder, we actually have an exception handler class. And... You can you can tap into that and do whatever you want in this render method. So, um, you know you can do whatever you want. You can swap out the error handlers really easily. So it's just a, it's just a lighter setup really. It's just a more minimal um, error handler compared to Whoops, which d- dumps out a lot of environment variables and you know code snippets and all that. Let's see here. Here's an interesting question. Um, somebody says they liked package development in Laravel 4, but they're a little bit unclear about package man or development in Laravel 5. What is the rec- recommended way to like build that package up? So, Laravel Laravel package development has been kind of like this morphing thing throughout the years. And I really don't. I really feel like there needs to be a good solution at the PHP level for this. And there's been some discussion with people, like in the PHP League of Extraordinary Packages, about having like a package, um, like a package template generator that generates a standard PHP package, and that would have things like a composer file, maybe like a Travis CI file or a PHP unit file or, or whatever and would give you like a starting point, basically like Workbench did, because this is not really like a Laravel-specific problem, so I feel like it doesn't need a Laravel-specific solution because um, this is something that would benefit all of PHP to have a, a really good way to kind of bootstrap building a PHP package that you're going to release. Um, so, you know, that still needs to be figured out, I think, and I was really hesitant to keep that in Laravel when I felt like it needed a better PHP solution. And I'm hoping, I mean, the PHP League expressed interest in taking that up, but I don't know if they will or not, um, you know. I mean, I'd have to think, like, that's probably a pretty simple project. I feel like that's something somebody could knock out in a day. 
You know, you oh, yeah, yeah, that's a day-long project. Yeah, and that really would be useful. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know for me, like, yeah, especially, like, work, Workbench was cool. I totally get your point. Like, it just doesn't really make sense. But, like, it was convenient. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, we like, do need I'm, some kind of replacement, and somebody could knock that out in a day, anyone. I wanted to be able to to use Workbench from anywhere on my system, kind of like... Um, I don't know, kind of like Homestead. just a global tool where I could say, like, yeah, kind of like Homestead where I could just say Workbench, new, whatever. And even if I'm not in a Laravel app context at all, but I just have this idea for this generic PHP package that handles, I don't know, um, some kind of date-time thing, like like a Carbon package or something that's not tied to any framework or anything like that. It'd be nice just to be able to work on that as a standalone tool. But, yeah, I don't – I mean, if it doesn't get done here – or sooner, or people don't express a strong interest in it, I might do it as a standalone tool. Yeah, and and I I, th- I agree with you that it, it's a day long project if you make it um, pretty opinionated. Hopefully, it doesn't get bogged down like in all kinds of discussions on fifty different options it needs to have and, and all that. So I don't know. Can you just in your composer file just say, hey, here's this PSR auto loaded folder and ha- develop your package in there. Uh, and yeah, then once exactly. it's ready, just modularize it onto onto GitHub and yep. or, or however you want to do it. That's what I've done before. So, in, like in a Laravel five context, what Sean is saying is, you could just make any folder and add it to your composer file and build your package right there. And then once you're ready to break it out through and onto packages or whatever. But yeah, there's nothing really magical about the package development. It's still just composer loaded directories, basically. Yeah, I think it was hard, especially back um, in the early days of Composer when everything was PSR0, because nobody could ever remember. It's like, all right, you repeat the, the directory and the vendor, and it's like nobody could remember. So it was nice just to run a command and have it ready to go, uh, perfectly configured. But that's really not an issue anymore. Yeah, I'll look at it next week, maybe. If nothing's out over the weekend, I'll look at it next week. <laughs> Taylor, should we create professional Laravel 5 projects or wait for it to be established? It is established. Uh, yeah, Laravel 5 is out, so definitely would be um, you know, the recommended version at this point. It's the latest stable release. So, yeah, as of yesterday, um, definitely the recommended version for a new project would be Laravel 5 for sure. I think some people look at it look at it as like, oh, it just came out. You know, it would be idiotic. Oh, I see. Your apps at oh, this I point. See. Okay, I see what he's saying now. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? It's like I, I some people complained that there wasn't a beta, and uh, maybe that's valid. But then at the same time, it's like people were using Laravel five for many months at this point. Like this goes back quite a while. So I, I get the feeling that any big uh, bugs would have been spotted by now. So it's What's not like the beta exactly. Been, in this context, is it like permission to use the the uh, the master branch? Is that... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laravel five was really th- so many people were using it way more than we had on the Laravel four release. I don't know if you remember, but the Laravel four release was was not that smooth. Like the day Laravel four came out, I think we went through like four or five patch releases like in that first day, like four dot dot one dot you know dot o dot two dot o dot three because of like routing bugs and stuff like that. So Laravel 5 was a much more uh, stable release, and I would consider it much more uh, well-tested and established than Laravel 4 was at the time, for sure. Just in the terms of the amount of people using it and the so much less intrusion into the core code base. 
Well, now that you've launched Laravel 5 and Forge is like successfully up and running, what's your next project? I know you've hinted at it a few times, but I haven't heard anything since. Yeah, I've got a few ideas, and I've got some ideas that are pretty far along, really, um, for some apps I've built on Laravel 5. Uh, like I mentioned before, I always like to build like app ideas on the next release of Laravel because it's a really good testing ground for the framework itself. So a lot of times those ideas, I try to come up with ideas that would be actually valuable to release. Um, that's kind of like the best of both worlds because I get to build something that's useful to other people and I can launch it, but also kind of beta test the framework at the same time. So I've got some cool stuff um, lined up, I think, and and hopefully um, I'll be able to ship it out soon. But um, I don't know. I think it'll be useful. That's really <laughs> nebulous, but... Uh, can I take this next question? Please. Uh, Jeffrey, will there be a series like the Book series, something like a reboot with LV5? Uh, the Book series, like... I have mixed feelings about that. So the Book series was like a, a video series on Laracast that covered building a, a, a Facebook clone, but in a very specific way. It was um, it kind of deals with the idea of like creating commands and using a command bus and handlers. So the idea of that series was to show people like if you're building these large apps and you want to use this approach, let's see what that might look like. One of my big worries was like I had a lot of people who would they would like learn the basics of Laravel and then they would go to that. And then they thought, oh, this is how you do it. And it was hard, like, no matter how many times I would say it, it was hard to explain, like, no, this is for when you recognize that you need this approach. Uh, in many situations, you just don't need it, especially if you just learned the basics. Uh, so that was hard to deal with. In terms of, like, upgrading that for Laravel 5, no. But, but we'll do tons of other stuff. Um, on the site right now, I'm finishing up. Like, I had to redo the whole fundamental series for beginners. Uh, today I'm starting something a little more for, like, seasoned people just to show them, like, here's how you did it in Laravel 4, here's what you do in Laravel 5. And then after that stuff is done, what I want to do is just do a lot of series where we just build stuff, like build little projects, you know, because that's really how you learn the most. You can watch and read books, but it's like until you're just actually coding something, um, you're, you're not learning as quickly as you could. So, yeah. I think there's interesting things you can learn. So if you're sitting there and you're programming... Uh, and it's the the way you go about things, the your approaches, your ideas. I think that there's a lot to be said for you know picking up that stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's a hard People thing to teach in stuff. a video. Uh, it's very difficult. Okay, here's kind of a different question, uh, Taylor. If you had a large application with like 30 controllers and repositories, etc., how would you go about structuring your application? How do you put that together? Um, so Laravel 5 basically represents how, I, how I've structured applications in the past. So I don't typically deviate from the Laravel 5 structure, although I do add folders to it. Um, so uh, on my latest Laravel 5 project, I added, um, I think I just added one folder to the Laravel 5, which was an app contracts folder where I could put some interfaces for various outside services I was using. Um, other than that, I just use the standard Laravel 5 directory structure. Um, um, in my just just so people have an idea, one thing I do is in my services folder, I actually make a services slash vendor folder, which is more like um, where I would put anything that interacts with like the GitHub API 
or um, Mailgun API or outside APIs. I, I call those vendor APIs because they're not really under my control or whatever, and they're not really, they interact with outside services. And then I'll have other classes in my services directory that are more like internal services that do logic or whatever. But uh, as far as the overall structure goes, I keep it pretty pretty straightforward. Um, I don't typically work on applications large enough where I feel like I need to break out things in, in this kind of structure where it's like app slash user slash user repository slash user entity slash user registration service, that kind of thing. Yeah. I tend to keep it with the more default structure, though I'm not saying that's a bad structure, but just how I do things, um, I, I tend to stick with the default Laravel 5 structure. And it works pretty well on the apps I've built so far. But, Taylor, of course, you'll always have to evaluate, you know, your situation. I'm curious. So if really the only folder that you add is a contracts folder, where would you put something, like, uh, related to billing? So you need to bill your users. Like, where would that go? See, like, for me, like, I have a I billing it, folder within app. What do you do? Really? I would do – I usually would put it under, like, the ser- app services billing or something like that. Okay. I mean, I would probably still have a, I would maybe still have a billing namespace, perhaps, but it would, I would just put it under app services. Okay. But like, but the nice thing about Laravel five is since it's PSR four on that whole app folder, whereas with Laravel three four had kind of that magic auto loading thing with like the models directory and then the controllers directory, and it was not like a standard auto loading setup. The nice thing with Laravel five is since it's all PSR four, your your doors are totally wide open in terms of how you structure things, which is nice. Yeah, totally. Like, as an example for, for Laracast, uh, I, I have a forum, but I make that completely separate from the actual application. So I have a PSR4 uh, auto-loading for specifically forum, and then I have the main one that would be for Laracast. And that way it's like you can do whatever you want, which is really cool. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I treat the namespace folders as kind of like a, a boundary. So I might yeah. have a, a membership namespace and inside that goes my account uh, member uh, in you know whatever related objects go to that and then let's say I'm doing github API something or another and I actually have maybe a github folder and I have all of the stuff I need in there so I tried to separate those out yeah. um, and I don't one thing I really don't like doing is when people you know have like a models folder and a repositories folder and all these different folders I really like putting those all together where they're used I feel like if I have to do a whole lot of namespace importing, maybe that that's telling me that I'm not like cohesively binding these constructs, right? Because like a lot of times, like in another language, like let's just say Scala or something, you might have an A star or a specific file for an algorithm, and then have a whole bunch of classes and objects and stuff in there for that algorithm. And you're of course your IDE is able to parse all that out and do everything really easily. But PHP we have this this thing where one file represents like one construct. So I try to treat it the same as other languages, kind of treat the concept of cohesively binding uh, elements together, but in in the more PHP spun way. Yeah. Okay. Um, if somebody was they considered themselves uh, an, a more intermediate developer, how would they contribute to? How could they contribute to the framework? How could somebody who considers himself an intermediate developer be useful to to your efforts in in building Laravel? Um, mainly, I mean, just going through the GitHub issues and and solving an issue is, of course, um, 
uh, a really obvious way to contribute. Um, you know, you can, and there's other ways to contribute. You can tr- contribute to the Laravel framework repository, which would be like the core framework code. And that's as easy as just, if you have an issue, of course you can fix it yourself, but then you can also look through the issues and, and find one that looks your, about your skill level or something you think you can tackle. And then you can either confirm it or whatever and see if it really is an issue. And, um, and then fix it if you have the ability to and submit a pull request. You can also contribute to the Laravel documentation, which is github.com slash Laravel slash docs. Um, so you can contribute there if you're not, if you don't feel like there's an issue that you can tackle, you can add to the docs or fix fix problems with the documentation or whatever. So those are a couple of easy ways to get started, I would say. So I'm getting a lot of questions about education, basically. Uh, people are asking for books and tutorials for Laravel 5, and I happen to know a place where you can get a whole ton of tutorials for Laravel 5. <laughs> I don't know any books. Actually, yeah. I did see a book. Somebody actually had a book ready on day one. Yeah, it was called uh, yeah. Easy Laravel. I, I, I don't know anything yeah, about it, but yeah, that came out the same day. Yeah, I think it might be a cookbook. I no idea. I'm not, I'm it not it sure. seemed like it just kind of covered the basics, like how do you do authentication? How do you work with form? You know, kind of what you would expect for uh, an intro, introductory book. So it might be worth checking out. Um, I assume Dale will update his book at some point. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he's working on it. Last I heard, he was. Well, don't dawdle, Dale. There's not much time left. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, it just came out, and if you really think about it, there's a ton already. Like, Laracast has tons. There's a book out. Uh, Matt Stouffer, like, he he's crazy. Like, he is the only person that kind of tackles some of this stuff way quicker than I do, because I like yeah. to be pretty quick. He will have it, like, in hours. Like, Taylor will post something, and then he'll have a, a little article on how to use it pretty quickly. So, actually, yeah. there's a good bit of uh, education out. Go to the forums, like the, the Laravel IO forums, the Laracast forums. People are talking about it nonstop. Um, Laracast, sign up for Laracast. People are talking about that nonstop. Um, so there's actually a lot of resources at this point. There are so many more resources in there. Where was Laracast when we launched Laravel 4? Was Laracast out yet or no? Uh, well, you tell me. Um, I'm pretty sure it was out. Laracast launched in October of 2013. Okay, so Laravel 4 came out in May of 2013. So when Laravel 4 came out, Laracast didn't had not launched yet. So there's so much more learning material out there now than there was when Laravel 4 came out. Yeah, there really is. And actually, I, I'm going to plug myself. Um, the Laravel 5 fundamental series on Laracast is free, like for anyone. So you don't you don't have to pay for any of that, and it's going to be like 30 videos. It'll tell you everything you need to know um, if you're getting started with Laravel. So that's getting started with Laravel 5 or uh, adapting Laravel 4 users? or It's try- very much for getting started. Like there will be another one for adapt kids. Yeah, it's like that was the hard thing is like the way I would speak to somebody who already understands on a modern PHP and Laravel is not how I would teach somebody how to use Laravel. So, like, they need to be sort of separate. So this one is very much like, hey, all right, you're coming over from from Take or another language. Um, here's how you would get started. Um, but for people who actually use Laravel, yeah, there's some other stuff coming. Starting today, actually. Cool. Cool. 
Well, people want to help uh, translate Laravel docs. What's so the easiest way to help with that? I don't know what the easiest way to do that would be. Um, I need to research how other people, other frameworks do that, I guess. It would be pretty challenging because the Laravel, I mean, but just in terms of pull requests and contributions and fixes, so it would be, it would require quite a bit of effort, I feel like, to do it. But, um, you know, if that's a project someone wants to tackle managing all that, then go for it. Seems like worst case scenario, right? You just put up a site with your translated documentation um, yeah. and maybe make the repository public and, and let other people help you manage that. I, I think if... Um, it, you're right. It's, it's kind of an or, a difficult to organize thing, right? Yeah, you'd have yeah. to find a way to sync them. Like every time a PR went through for the main docs, I would have to like be updated... Or else you end up with all these translations where they're massively outdated, which is probably yeah. what would happen in real life. Right. Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard without like an actual organization handling all this minutia. Mm-hmm. Not to say that wouldn't bring a lot of challenges of its own. Yeah. We should also talk about Laracon, too, while we're here. Yeah, let's talk about Laracon. What do you have to say about Laracon, Taylor? Because that, that, uh, that um, you know, Laravel 5 was announced yesterday, but all the Laracon stuff came out the day before. Um, at both sites, with uh, more unified um, branding and, and kind of marketing efforts. And I think this is going to be a crazy year for Laracon. I think it's going to be a big year. Um, we both... Um, I think we both have really good venues this year for Laracon, and we're, we're kind of figuring, well, like hitting our stride for figuring out what we want Laracon to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about what it turns out to be this year. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think it's really cool that uh, Laracon is kind of becoming this like one thing with with different branches, like different different regional touches, and so we can share a lot of responsibility and share a lot of vision and and kind of come up with something that you know speaks to the community. Because I think the thing about Laracon is it's it's yes, it's a technology thing. Um, yes, it's a Laravel thing, a PHP thing. But it's, it it all comes back in a lot of ways just to the community. So making something specifically uh, representative of that is, is, I think, really important to us. And I think unifying kind of the whole the whole concept into one one event that's taking place in multiple places in the world is really interesting. But I, I really I, yeah. I'm so excited. We're putting so what do you so much work to to make this event. Uh, Different. Uh, we don't want to do the same thing year and year after year. So we're we're going to announce some interesting stuff coming up, and it should be pretty interesting. So how do you think? What do we do to make Laravel or Laracon this unique experience? Because I feel like we um, we actually put a lot of attention to detail into Laracon on, on both sides, US, and we always try to make Laracon like this special event. I think that's different from other conferences. And so what what would you say, like, what is your philosophy of conferences? Like, what are we trying to really do here? So I look at um, various conferences, and I notice uh, they each have kind of their own thing going on. And what I don't want to be is, like, this pure entertainment, like this show where people go and they they kind of just party. And I, I don't want to be this pure commercial entity thing where people go and, 
kind of do, sit in an office. I, I want it to be enriching to to everyone who's there. So in the ways I'd like it to be rich, enriching are uh, make personal contacts. And these contacts are incredibly valuable. And I think that just just saying them, if people hear that, they don't necessarily get the, the idea that I have when I think of it. I think that... Um, by communicating with other people who are kind of like you and what they do, but also different, you have this experience, this diversity, and you actually get a lot of professional and, and personal value back. Uh, I think that that's probably the number one thing that you get from these events. But uh, then, yeah. you know, we have the, the thing where we're trying to curate content. So what do we feel is going to be relevant for the next year? How do we... Uh, present this information that will give people, you know, a good firm understanding kind of, of of where our community, where our sector, our industry and everything are going. That's really important to me too. Um, when you're designing your program, uh, I, I imagine you're thinking a lot of these same things. You're thinking, you know, I really want to inform, yeah. but of course we have a, a wide variety of people to, to try to please and so do you, do you kind of segment your program up and, and say, okay, I'm, I'm having these kind of speakers talk on these kind of topics and these kind of speakers talk on these type of topics? Or what are you thinking when you're doing that? Yeah, I've thought about that some. So um, one thing we're trying to do, we talk about kind of the overall event first and then the speakers specifically. One thing that I'm trying to do this year is really give good opportunity for really great social experiences at Laracon. And that that's we're kind of doing that in a variety of ways, but one way is um, it was a really big deal for me this year to I want the venue to be reserved later into the day so that people don't feel rushed to leave right after the conference and they can mingle around for several hours after the conference with, with drinks and refreshments and stuff and then and then can go do whatever other social activities, restaurants or whatever. So we're trying to allow more time for that. And then, so that's, that's kind of our social aspect we're really trying to focus on this year. But then in terms of the speakers, I think that um, probably you feel the same way. We don't want Laracon to be a series of Laravel tutorials that you could easily Google or even, you know, no offense to Laracast, which is awesome, but we don't want it to be necessarily like an in-person Laracast, so to speak, because I think we're interested in and in, in presenting like bigger topics than just how, here's an easy way to do um, authentication in Laravel at Laracon, because that's something that, that you can go to Laracast and learn really easily. So we like to present kind of new and unique things. Um, for example, like, I mean, you know, things that are going to affect you as a professional developer when technology changes or when, when you're not even using PHP anymore. Can we present information that's valuable to you and that makes an impact on your life even then? So, um, yeah, of course we want to have Laravel talks and there will be Laravel-specific talks, tech talks. Probably I will do a, a talk specifically on Laravel things and tech-related things. But then also bringing in these speakers that can give you... Um, you know, these big talks like, um, you know, on a variety of topics that are relevant to professional developers, not just um, Laravel or PHP developers. Yeah, I think the, the concept of enriching um, everybody who participates is is really important. Um, so, you know, we, we try to focus on issues that are relevant to 
are seen and relative to, uh, relevant to the people who come. So uh, I think we're in a really interesting position in that we really kind of know uh, a lot about the, the people who attend. I think that, you know, we get to know a lot of the people who are coming and um, so that's really helpful. And also I really like the fact that, for example, we aren't kind of just hiring an, an organizer and, and, and I don't have any, any problem with people hiring an or, organizer. I just think that being able to, make all the decisions carefully over the course of a year and plan for the event and, and kind of handcraft it all is really kind of special for us. So it, to me, Laracon is more of a labor of love than anything. So, and, and I think that people uh, see that when they, when they come to our events and I definitely want this year to be, I, I want the people who came last year to come away from this year saying, wow, that was the best one yet. When you guys yeah. are taking in these tickets, do you have any way to measure sort of the skill level of who's coming to these conferences? Because obviously that has a big effect. Um, are they more beginner-oriented? Are we dealing with more professional developers? Is there any way to measure that? I don't I don't know that that's possible. We could ask them. We've, <laughs> on that topic, though, we have discussed um, having a survey for what kinds of talks people are interested in. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities to get information uh, from people, uh, see see what kind of topics they have been interested in lately. But it does take time to plan. So let's say we're we're doing all this in August. So Laracon US, Taylor, what what's the dates exactly? Eleventh and twelfth of August. And so in in Amsterdam we are on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. So that's you know this is February now, and we have to get everybody lined up, get travel plans figured out, um, you know, make sure that uh, all that's all that's figured out. So it's not like we can wait until the last two months, you know, and kind of book everybody to to get their opinion. So we can ask people what they're into now and kind of infer. And I think that's a lot of a lot of the art is trying to curate really good content that people are going to appreciate and. You know, you don't want you don't want to have a bunch of talks go to a crowd that's really not interested. That would be a pretty big problem. Um, but I think that that yeah, there, a lot there's a lot of art there, and it, it, it it's important that like for example Taylor and um, and we are close to the community enough to get an idea of what's going on. If we were if we became estranged from the community, then I think a lot of the stuff would fall apart. So let's see. Um, did you want to say anything else about Laracon? Um, I, I do know that we are going to make a couple announcements uh, in the next couple business days that are going to be pretty cool. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, but we're kind of doing the last bit of legwork to make sure everything's lined up. Uh, yeah. Yep. No, that's um, you know definitely get your tickets. Uh, tickets are selling at a, at a much higher pace than mm-hmm. previous years. I think on both sides. So. Um, you know, definitely get your tickets and and all that. Um, and then also, yeah, I think also, you know, with Laracon EU and Laracon US, I think we're going to be releasing information at, at kind of in unison and at similar times. So likewise for um, Laracon US, we should have uh, some more announcements in terms of, um, you know, like hotel accommodations and speaker proposals and stuff like that in the next few days. Yeah. Um, like you said, uh, our... Ticket sales are actually going really fast, and there's there's a, a very limited window for those early bird tickets. So, especially if you don't have uh, somebody like your boss or somebody to to buy those tickets for you, if you want to get the, those those early bird prices, the windows is 
going to be closed. We actually sold like half of our early bird tickets in 30 hours, I think. So wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I would recommend getting on that. And uh, yeah, I, I expect again when we make our announcement that the rest of them are going to be gone basically shortly after that. So act fast. Let's see here. Um, here's a, a kind of a question about a paradigm shift to move to modular development uh, with Laravel 5. The idea is you're kind of farming out development to the communities, like the HTTP and Workbench. Um, yeah. What would be the top five list of modules you'd like to see the community lead? That's an interesting question. So. Go. Yeah, Taylor, top go. Five. Go. Go. Um, go. Gosh, let me think. <laughs> we, I don't know, you know. Um, when I moved, I when we moved out HTML, and then we moved out Illuminate Remote, which in hindsight was always a bad idea to have the that SSH component like baked into Laravel. And a lot of that was because of what I was doing with Forge and stuff like that. Um, but then, uh, you know, so obviously HTML Remote. Um, Workbench, I, I think, would be in there as a third one to be community-led, and that's not even necessarily a Laravel community thing, but um, just an easy way to get started with packages. Um, you know, and just... Uh, th that's the only ones that come to mind right now. I feel like all the other stuff in the core feels pretty good. Uh, there was no other components that I really um, considered removing, I don't think. Um, I feel like they're all all pretty good, so... Um, yeah, that sounds about right, you know, HTML remote and package kind of management. It's kind of interesting because at this point in time, the question might be, what features would you like to see in, in Laravel 5? Because as software developers, I think we fundamentally don't want more features. We're like, no, we're not developing new features. <laughs> right. We want to make the features, yeah. we want to make the software extendable, we don't want to add features. Um, is that kind right. of how you feel about Laravel 5 now? Yeah, in a way, like we, yeah, we're very hesitant to add on um, big new features and and also to just kind of like continually pile on features to existing stuff that could be otherwise easily extended. Um I feel like Laravel is still a pretty nice, tight set of features and, and works really well for um, a lot of use cases. But yeah, there's so much there's so much stuff that could be done via packages too that I I feel like is you know still a really untapped what what people could really be doing there. So you know play play with the package system and 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 come up with cool stuff to add to the add you know these optional things to the framework and we don't have to really uh, clutter up the core of it too much. So, Taylor, um, someone asked, where can we get one of those stuffed animals, like the one behind you on your sofa? Uh, there was a Kickstarter for these elephants. Let me, get, let me get my elephant here. So this is a prototype of the Laravel PHP elephant. It has PHP on one side and Laravel on the other. And there was actually a Kickstarter for these um, a while back, but I ordered quite a few extras, and I think... Um, the guy that manages the Kickstarter, he ordered quite a few extras too. So I know that there will be um, some extras available. If you missed the Kickstarter, uh, you should be able to buy them. 
um, on either a website, and I, I think we're even going to bring some to Laracon. So if you come to Laracon, you can buy one in person, get it signed by Jeffrey Way. He can kiss it, everything. So I don't want to get lipstick he's on gonna it. He's going to kiss so it. <laughs> it's red, so you have to use a different color of lipstick. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll pick something yeah. different. So you guys are you guys are set up there. <clears throat> well, that's fun. Awkward. <laughs> what else? Let's see here. Um, so someone asked what's the rationality of removing the event and route annotations in Laravel 5. That was just moved off into a separate package, right? Right. That was moved off. Uh, that is now maintained by Adam, and I'm going to butcher his last name. I'm just going to call him Artisan Goose because that is his <laughs> Twitter name. But his name, his first name is Adam, and he is maintaining the route annotations and event annotations package. Um, I moved it out because... I don't know. I I I tried to use it in a big in a fairly sizable project, and it, I didn't feel like it really fit my style or how I, how I felt like um, things should work. But I I do recognize the um, that a lot of people really like them, so I wanted to keep it available as a package. And, you know, and, and like like we were just talking about, it is just one more thing that would have to be maintained, right, in terms of the core framework, and it would inevitably have. Um, opinions on how things should work and changes that people want to see, and that's kind of like one more um, bucket of pull requests and issues that would be on GitHub. So I think it made more sense to to let the community manage that. And there's actually been an effort, I should say, to start a GitHub organization, which I think they just announced yesterday, for to maintain these kinds of things so that the HTML component and the remote component and the annotations will be on this one GitHub organization and will will be a central place for the community to kind of maintain those things. So um, definitely check out that. Now, I want you guys to answer, I want both of you to answer this question and uh, just kind of be fair. How can I convince my colleague slash boss to, to choose Laravel 5 over another PHP framework for an important new project? What, what I'm hearing is what... In your opinion, makes Laravel five maybe a better fit for this person's project than another. These are hard, you know, like because. Um, <laughs> fine, you go, Taylor. Well, and and this is coming from my extremely biased position, but I think Laravel has really great modern features for web applications in terms of. Um, the routing is really clean. The dependency injection throughout is really nice for building your maintainable applications. The queue system is nice for modern web applications, which does is unique. Does anybody else have a queue system? No, no, yeah, that's Rails, unique. Rails does. Like, but they were late. Like, I think Laravel was kind of first. I is think it, Rails... Oh, yeah, and, Laravel was like... Yeah, and Rails 4.2, I want to say 2, they added kind of a, a, unified, a unified queue component. But, yeah, I think Laravel was first in that area. Yeah, and that's um, you know in PHP that's that's going to be unique. But then, um, and then also it's not just like a technical thing, right? Um, there's so much support from the community in terms of Laracast and and people that are involved and conferences and, and all of that. That there's a lot of value there outside of any technical considerations where your entire team and I'm not getting paid for this, but you know, Lair, Jeffrey has business, business for Laracast where you can get your entire team on Laracast. You've got tons of videos, the forums, um, 
both Laravel.io and Laracast forums. Um, you know, and there's just a plethora of resources really for learning this framework, combined with the fact that it has very nice modern PHP features. So um, I think that's kind of like the one-two punch for me is is the the modern the modernness of it and kind of the forward thinking of it that we've always tried to have, and then also the um, support from the community and the educational side with um, Laracast and other other avenues. And then like. For me, I would say so much of it, from personal experience, comes down to how does it feel. I talked about this on, on No Capes a few days ago. It's like when, when I first started using Laravel, it just felt right. And that's pretty rare, especially at the time when it came out. And considering some of the other like options and frameworks that are available, they all felt like confusing and overly difficult. And then I started using Laravel, and it was like, man, this just feels right. And even better, just the, the common things that you need to do for like most of the huge majority of applications, it was like the, the problem had already been solved for you. So it's like, I feel like Laravel is specifically for people where it's like, you just want to get stuff done. You want to build stuff. You know, that's your main goal. And for that, it just works beautifully. So, but like, I think the truth is there's, there's a lot of tools that'll get the job done. It's not like I mean, I don't know if we're talking about in the PHP world specifically, why would you recommend Laravel or something else? But you can you can do great work in plenty of frameworks and plenty of languages. So at the end of the day, it's sort of like what what feels right to you. That's more important than than anything in my mind. Yeah. The community is so valuable in terms of you know, there are hundreds of people in um in the community and and in the chat rooms and the forums that are passionate about building really good applications on Laravel and they want to help other people build really great applications on Laravel too. And I think that's something that we're, we're passionate about as well. So it's just a great, it's just a great place to develop. And also in addition to um, the educational and technical resources, but you, you'll meet so many great people as well. I feel like, which is really cool. And, and, I feel like sort of unique in terms of frameworks that we have such a robust community of people that are really passionate about discussing the framework and discussing ideas about how to use the framework and all that. So it's a really cool group to be a part of. Yeah. I think many times the community like makes all of the difference. It's like, imagine that there was a, a competitor to Laravel that was equally as good. If it didn't have that community around it, it's like, well, you know what, when it comes to that point where you, you kind of need help with how to do something, there's no one to ask. You know, there just isn't the community there. With Laravel, it's like it's massive. Go to go to Larachat. It's huge. Like I'm blown away by how active that is, and it's fairly new. Go to the forums, like um, my Laracast forums. I can't believe how active it is. It's like every day there's dozens and dozens and dozens of new threads, full of people just trying to to build better applications. I think that speaks volumes. Um, so the the community is fantastic. Yeah, there's 615 people in the Laravel IRC channel right now. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's huge. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. I, and I, I happen to know, like, what happens is uh, some people will come in there, they'll ask questions, somebody will answer their question, they'll stick around, and then the next time somebody comes in and asks a, that question, they're the first person in there saying, hey, you know, here, here's some information. So it kind of spreads like like a virus there. I think people love 
you know, helping helping out, and that's why that channel is so huge. Uh, it's because you can come in, you can get your answer, yeah. uh, your questions answered, and when you help people, it's almost like karma equity, right? The more people see you helping people, maybe um, you know they they're like, oh yeah, I'm really I'm really into this person for for helping so much, and and it's also just like a really inclusive environment. So. I'm with I'm with Jeffrey, and then a lot of it's a feel thing. Um, but I think the community aspect is probably the most compelling to me. Yeah, I mean, for comparison, the Ruby on Rails IRC channel right now has 398 people, and the Laravel channel has 617. And and Rails is and Rails is a bigger framework. Like, there's no discussion that Rails is more popular than Laravel. <clears throat> but it just goes to show you, like, the passion of the community. I think that there's a lot of people that want to be involved on a daily basis with each other in building these applications. Okay, well, we have a lot of really good questions. Um, I think we're at about at time, but we have a few minutes left if either of you want to to say anything specific while we're still here. Hmm. Thanks I think for all we covered your, a lot. Yeah, thanks for all your support on Laravel and and thanks for using Laravel and, and embracing Laravel 5 and, and being patient while it was developed. And, you know, I hope everyone enjoys it and enjoys Laracon and all that good stuff. So thanks to the community. Yeah, I really hope to see you at uh, either Louisville, Louisville or uh, Amsterdam in August. Thanks. Definitely. All right, see you, everyone. Bye, guys. All right, see you. Bye. Say bye. Ha, ha, ha.